Hi guys. Um, first of all, thank you to Skylight Books for being such a big supporter of my zines and my comics um, from day one. Uh, with an extra special shout out to Jen Witt who discovered me in the first place. And I wanted to thank all of you guys for braving the rain and kind of the um, gloomy weather to uh, come out here on a Monday night. So y'all deserve kudos and free wine and pretzels and lollipops and gingerbread cookies for that. Um, so I'm going to talk briefly about the origin of There's No Right Way to Meditate. Um, I'll also be sharing a few uh, sketches, little doodles about things I've been going through emotionally in the last few years. And I'll be reading a few excerpts. After this, I'll be more than happy to answer any questions you guys might have about the book. And I also wanted to remind you guys that uh, there is an informal after party at Rockwell, just a few blocks down. You're all invited to uh, drink with me, and we could talk more about meditation and life. Or just drink and stare at each other. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so, as mentioned, There Is No Right Way to Meditate, it started out as a little self-published Xerox zine. I was making a bunch of meditation comics, and I decided to throw it all together in a zine. I, um, were, I was making them separately as individual blog posts. And uh, the current book of There Is No Right Way to Meditate, it's also uh, pulling material from my other meditation zine. A special message for you, hand delivered to you from the universe. And it's also sneaking in very old drawings and very new drawings. So it's it's a weird uh, timeline for me to have this as a new book because a lot of it predates my first book, but there's also new stuff in there too. So um, this is a picture of me at LA Zine Fest in 2012, uh, LA's first ever Zine Fest. And it's hard to see, but you'll note that the sign says, all zines, $3. Uh, I didn't know how to price my zines. And I feel like Jen or somebody was like, are you sure you want to price it at $3? It's, it's a bit too low. Um, but this was the event where uh, Jen happened to come across my little zine and uh, actually wrote this little handwritten note to me asking if I was interested in selling at Skylight Books. And for a while, uh, the two meditation scenes are sold as a packet. I believe it was called the Sakugawa Special, <laughs> which made me feel like this awesome sushi roll on this like bookstore sushi restaurant. Uh, this, this cute little twine. And as mentioned, it was surprisingly on the bestseller list for a few years. And I think it just shows the the amazingness of Skylight Books for supporting uh, self-published uh, self-published zinesters and artists who don't have a published books and also the adventurous spirit of the visitors who come here who don't necessarily need a famous author or a famous publisher to give a book a chance. Uh, so I tell everybody, uh, especially young artists, to just make a zine and put your work out there because you just really never know uh, what's going to happen. Uh, these are just a bunch of weird drawings I've done. <laughs> it's not in the book, but I'm just going to share them. Um, so, and you'll see why they're not in the book. Um, self-loathing is such a great self-defense mechanism. Joke's on you. I hate myself more than you hate me. <laughs> Progress. And I'm not going to swear, but you'll read it. Sorry if that offends anyone. I'm so emotionally effed up, I hate myself. Then. Now. I am so emotionally effed up. I'm cool with that. 
near inner shitstorm gradually subside to a placid diarrhea lake <laughs> where beautiful lotus flowers bloom. <laughs> and this was inspired by the Thich Nhat Hanh quote. I want to say it's Thich Nhat Hanh, but it's about lotus flowers blooming in the mud and how even in the most um, challenging or horrible circumstances, there's an opportunity for something beautiful and delicate as a lotus flower to bloom. Uh, the ache in my back and curling into a cat. I got a lot of back pain, so this is my way of uh, anthropomorphizing my back pain into something friendly and cuddly, like a cat. I am not my thoughts. Everything you need is inside. Walk and breathe. This one seems to strike a chord with people. Uh, this gets shared a lot by Tumblr. Um, I did nothing today, that's okay. I think for some reason people just really need permission to do nothing. Um, so I'm happy to help spread that gospel to the internet and Tumblr and whoever sees it. And here we are, um, the book version of There's No Right Way to Meditate. Uh, thank you everyone for being a part of this journey. And this amethyst was bought at House of Intuition, which I recently discovered. And I have to uh, tie my hands down to not buy more crystals, because everything's so pretty. <laughs> 10 ways to get rid of your bad mood. Number one. Have your doppelganger extract your bad mood from your chest so he or she can make fun sculptures with it. Ta-da! Number two, paint out your bad mood. When you're finished with your painting, set it on fire. Number three, explain the reasons for your bad mood over a cup of tea with your two-headed neighbors. Blah, blah, blah. Number four, ask your dinosaur friend to scare your bad mood away. Yes, sick him, steggy. Number five, turn your body inside out so your bad mood falls out onto the ground. Sucker. Plop. Number six, breathe out your bad mood and watch it disappear into the sky. Number seven, get lost in the woods so your bad mood doesn't know where to find you. Number eight, be your bad mood in a staring contest so it slinks away in defeat. You lose. Boo-hoo. Number nine, freak out your bad mood by acting all super fake and chummy with it. Come on, let's go watch a movie. Uh, it's okay. Number ten, and I'm serious, your amazing idea here, please share. Anyone? Yes. I'm a fan of tapping. I haven't done it in a while, but that's, that's a good one. Um, I've also heard put it in a blender or feed it to your dog or make a podcast out of it. Um, you can also share it with me later tonight. Um, this is one of my favorite uh, comics in the book and favorite meditation comics in general because uh, this is one of the earliest concepts that I learned when I was just starting out in meditation where the thoughts you have is sort of this um, stream of 
things that's passing through your head. And we all identify with it, but the amazing thing about meditation is that it helps you detach from your thoughts and see them as though it's happening to another person or it's um, strange natural phenomena where you don't have to react to it directly, but sort of observe it and see what an interesting thing it is. How to be a silent witness to your thoughts. Step one. Be aware of the fact that you are thinking thoughts. I am thinking thoughts. I am thinking that I am thinking thoughts. Step two. Now detach from yourself like you are having an out-of-the-body experience. You are now being the silent witness to your thoughts. Step three. Once you have detached from yourself, observe your own thoughts as though you are a scientist observing a lab specimen. Thoughts. You may find that a lot of your thoughts are quite unproductive and actually hinder your happiness. My thoughts. Grudges, paranoia, and fat. My life sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Step four. Take out your negative thought patterns and replace with thoughts that make you happy. My thoughts. I am thankful and happy to be alive. Repeat as often as possible for inner and world peace. The end. And this is just a single panel comic. This is your mind. This is your mind on meditation. Any questions? Um, This is... um, a simpler version of the the comic I just read about being a silent witness. And it's funny because um, when I post comics like this along the same vein where I'm more or less telling people, you are not your thoughts, you don't have to identify with your thoughts, um, I found that some people actually get really offended by that suggestion. And I would get one or two comments from people saying, actually, you really are your thoughts. Sorry to break it to you. Um, I don't know. I get mansplained about being identifying with your thoughts. It's, it's really bizarre. Um, but this is uh, one of my favorite new comics that's in the book. It's called Sky Meditation. You are not your thoughts. There are clouds passing by, and you are the sky. And that's the end. And I'll read one more. Um, This is another comic, like the I Did Nothing Today, That's Okay comic, where I feel like people just feel so relieved when they're told they don't have to do anything and they could just exist and breathe. And uh, this image in particular, um, it's really gone around the internet in recent years. It's on a t-shirt and some Vietnamese in some t-shirt company in Vietnam, which is always funny and uh, a weird rite of passage for uh, cartoonists and illustrators who share their work on the web. And um, of course I get annoyed that I don't get credited a lot, but at the same time um, I think it's just so fascinating how it seems to strike a chord with people. And most people don't know that it's a three-part comic, so I'm going to read the whole thing. Sometimes it's okay if the only thing you did today was breathe. 
Breathing lets your loved ones know that you are still alive. And every time you breathe in, a new idea is born. And every time you breathe out, an old grievance is released. And that's it for my presentation. Thank you. And now I'm um, more than happy to answer any questions you guys might have, or comments, or ideas for getting rid of your bad mood. <laughs> Yes. So this is the first time I'm seeing color on some things that I'm familiar with black and white. Did you, did you color them, or were they originally, did you originally make them in color? Or am I just confused? No, you're not confused. Um, it, it sort of took this weird uh, full circle path where it was originally colored digitally, but then it was printed in black and white for the zine. And then for this book version, um, I wanted the color scheme to be consistent, so I essentially had to recolor everything. So it uh, went through several iterations to where it is now. Thank you. Thanks. I have one. Yes. I really love, I just discovered you recently, and I really love the illustrated guide to the world universe. Mm -hmm. How long ago did you do that? Is that a completely separate body of work than the meditation thing? Or are they kind of... Same, same body. I want to say, well, with your illustrated guide to becoming one with the universe, it definitely came after the material I made for There's No Right Way to Meditate. And uh, so it's definitely informed by what I was making before. And this was all when I was working for an internet startup that uh, dealt with wellness and self-help. And the funny thing was with your illustrated guide was that it was supposed to be an online course, but then, so then I made all the material and it was ready to be published, but then the woman in charge of publishing the online courses, she just completely dropped the ball on getting back to me. So it, for a while it was just um, sitting dormant and that's when I decided to make it into a self-published scene. And then it was, getting kind of cumbersome to print it uh, using this thick glittery cardstock for the covers. So then luckily uh, my publisher uh, became interested in publishing it. So uh, like with the meditation zine, it went through several unexpected iterations before it became a book. Yeah. Oh yeah, thank you. Yes. You when you write a book just draw random things Oh no, I'm trying to think of how to answer that. That's that's such a great question. Um it's really different for every single one. Um I think with uh there are some books where they really do start as individual self-contained things and later I I put them together and the structure of it sort of organically reveals itself. And um, in other cases, like with my second book, where it's sort of formatted as uh, sequential lessons, in that case, um, 
there is a bit more planning involved where I outline and uh, figure out the logic of the material before it becomes a book. And and I think also in general with meditation comics, um, they're a little looser and more organic, whereas I feel like with uh, my more fictional narrative-driven comics, um, I do a lot of planning for them to the point of it being not fun. <laughs> So, I mean, all the cartoonists are like, ha, ha. <laughs> um, so, so, for me, um, I find that the meditation comics are a looser way for me to be creative and express my ideas, whereas um, with my narrative comics, they require a lot of tinkering and planning before it gets done to its final form. Yes, hi, Calvin. Uh, when you have an old comic that you want to include into your book, do you tend to find yourself uh, looking at it and thinking, I want, it, I want to include this in the book the way it was when I first created it? Or is it more like, oh, I see this old comic, and because of this years of, several years of experience after that, now I'm looking at it, and I want to make some changes to it. Like, is there like a particular way that you do that? I guess I'm a bit of a purist in the sense that I don't really like to modify material after it's done. Um, I think the most I want to do is to recolor it, perhaps, or to clean up smudges that I missed the first time. Um, Otherwise, um, I like to keep it the way it is, unless in the case of when it's going through a publisher, then the editor may ask for changes such as thickening the letters or uh, change the wording or um, add the comma because that's grammatically correct. Maybe it could be like the wrong size for the book you print. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I do changes that uh, better serve the book, but generally speaking, I like to keep... Uh, Keep, keep, right, keep the original intention intact as much as possible. Yes? Do you have plans on doing any more um, spiritual-type books in the future? Yes. And to expand on that, it's funny because up until recently, for the longest time, my primary identity was, um, oh, I'm a comic book artist, but, you know, these weird meditation comics, it's just kind of on the side, like like a hobby. Like like if comic book artists were to have a comic hobby, that's, that's <laughs> what it was. And I, I want to say even just in the last month, I decided to, and this was all in New Mexico under the beautiful um, Santa Fe sky with, with cacti and clear, bright, uh, glistening stars, I decided, you know, I should stop compartmentalizing my uh, my content so much. It, it all comes from the same source, and, um, you know, I, I'm sort of weirdly resistant to being a self-help author, even though that's the genre in which my books are sold, but um, i come to finally embrace it. And um, to answer your question, I went on this... Um, your tangent, but to answer your question, I, I do want to continue to make more meditation comics. I do feel that 
as my own personal mindfulness practice deepens, um, I do want to continue to share insights about what I've learned through being mindful and uh, meditating on a more uh, serious and uh, regular basis. And specifically with um, a future long-term book project, I do want to write more about mindfulness and meditation, but uh, geared towards artists specifically because I feel like so many of my readers are creative people or uh, struggle with creative expression. So I'm really interested in uh, fusing meditation, mindfulness, and also um, living the creative life. So uh, you heard it here first, so uh, stay, stay tuned for that in a few years down the line. Yes? Hopping off my question, uh, I feel like when I read your fictional narratives and your even like your how-tos, you know, there's something very recognizable about the philosophy behind it. Even if it's not just the art, but I don't know, like I don't have an articulation for that. Like, do you? Like, do you have like an idea of what the common thread of like all the different projects you work on is? Um, so Steph was asking about um, if there are any particular common threads between my different projects, uh, whether it's uh, fictional works or um, self-help books. And I, I've thought about this a lot. And I want to say whether it's uh, my mindful uh, meditation guides, um, where they're more self-helpy, for the lack of a better made-up word, or uh, they're uh, sort of more... Uh, traditionally narrative where there's a clear beginning, middle, end, a climax, resolution, etc. I, I want to say with all of those works, I really want people to um, really pay attention and in the act of being very mindful and paying attention as a reader, there's some sort of cathartic or therapeutic healing that takes place. So whether it's um, shifting your own mental paradigm to re-examine how you live your life and how you examine your thoughts, or to, or in a more narrative level, to um, be awakened by a specific feeling or memory, to uh, really just pay attention and listen. Um, so that's my general. I want to say sort of core message that um, subconsciously, I want to say, was seeping through all my works, and now I'm a little more conscious of it. <coughs> Any more questions? Yes? I just want to thank you for you know, being so open and saying that it's okay to do nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I really love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I know that so much of your work is shared and loved on the internet, and I'm just wondering how, whether or not you think of the internet as like a mindful space or a stressful space, and how you practice mindfulness, um, spending so much time on I've been struggling with that so much. So I'm glad you brought that up, and I think a lot of people struggle with that too. Um, I, I read this um, self-help book recently 
I, I forget the title, but it was one of those compilations of uh, self-help articles written by popular self-help bloggers. And one of the articles was about using the internet mindfully, where you really are conscious of um, the intention behind this very powerful tool and how the intention is going to be reflected in how you use it. So I do try to be, lately, and this is really in the last week, um, I do really try to be mindful as much as possible, even in something as uh, trivial and, and um, kind of soul-crushing as answering your giant inbox of emails to, to really be mindful of the relationship that is being formed between uh, the people involved in the conversation. Um, to really know what my purpose is when I'm logged in for in a specific social media channel. And um, obviously to really schedule no Wi-Fi breaks um, throughout the day. Of course, easier said than done. But I, I do believe that um, I don't really like to make overgeneralizing terms about whether the internet is a, a useful place, not useful, um, a mindful place or a mindless place. I, I do, uh, ha I have benefited from pockets of mindfulness in the internet, even if it's a cheesy roomy quote on an Instagram sunset. It, it helps sometimes, or uh, really forming new relationships on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. So in a nutshell, I think it's just a matter of being mindful while you're using it and also um, being mindful of being offline and really uh, healing from that because I think we all get subconsciously stressed on a mental, physical, and spiritual level when we're too connected and we're not aware of why we're connected online. That was a great question. I should, that should maybe be my next uh, book. Internet and meditation. Thank you for that. Um, are there any other questions? Yes. I do have a regular meditation routine. And people ask me, what school of meditation do you practice? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, for someone who writes a lot about meditation, I'm actually not very literate in the different philosophies of meditation that exist. So really what I do is um, every morning, first thing in the morning, I... I sit on my couch and I close my eyes. Well, before I close my eyes, I, I set my iPhone timer to 20 minutes. And then I close my eyes and I sit in silence. And, and really, that's all I do. I just um, I listen to my inner silence. I pay attention to whatever sounds that may be in the background. And whether I'm really distracted or I'm able to get into a more uh, mindful state, whether I'm thinking about my to-do list or even um, thinking about past grudges or something horrible, uh, the point is I'm paying attention to my thoughts and I'm paying attention to uh, whatever is happening and then, and then the timer goes off and, and I open my eyes. And uh, people ask me a lot, um, what advice do you give for 
people who don't meditate or are intimidated by it. And I really think even if just for five minutes you're sitting, closing your eyes and doing nothing, um, I really do think the act of sitting and doing nothing and being quiet and being unplugged and not talking is a very healing thing that um, anybody can do at any point in the day. So, yeah, and also if you guys want to talk to me about meditation, I'm more than happy to talk about it uh, after the Q&A. Any other questions? Okay, I think that's it. Thank you so much, everyone. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.